Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021 and our first pickle episode of the year. In the show, we're going to talk about our first product release and our 2021 baseball resolutions. Join us here at the pickle. Welcome to episode 21 of Pelotero Pickle. I'm Bobby Tutteri. I'm joined by Chris Calabello. Also, we have Cedar in the podcast today, show, whatever you want to call this. Cedar Fever's kick my butt. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm good, Bobby. I'm definitely better than you. I mean, I've had Cedar experience in my life, and I just, I feel bad for you. I, I kind of, like, I want to make money a little bit, but it was probably the worst allergy I've ever experienced in my life, so... I've been taking it easy. I've just been trying to be supportive of how bad it is. Yeah. I, I've always had seasonal allergies in New Hampshire. Um, it's usually like late August, early September. Uh, cedar fever is no joke. They say everything's bigger in Texas. Um, allergy, seasonal allergies are bigger in Texas. Holy smokes. I feel like my eyes are leaking right now. Uh, you guys have already told me I look terrible. I tried to keep my light a little lower today, so hopefully you can't see my eyes too well. But... Yeah, Cedar. If you come Cedar to Texas, caused an 0 for 10 for me up. one time. Cedar caused an 0 for 10 in Round Rock. So I had that going for me. I don't like Cedar either. It is something. We uh, we had a heck of a sports weekend. A lot of games, a lot of activity with uh, college basketball, football, college football, a lot of stuff going on. Um, let's jump into our topics. We can get into some of that stuff in the post show. Uh Peltero announced our first thing, our first product, Dang. considered a premium product, but it's our first thing. And it's really just uh, an introduction to the platform. It's called Starting Nine. It's an eight-week hitting program, four-week hitting program with eight sessions. Sorry. Uh, Chris, you were a big part I, of building I, it. So why don't you I, tell us about it? I came up with the idea for Starting Nine. See how cool Because nine questions. And starting Nine really plays in. There's nine players on the field. So that was me thinking on my feet there. Uh, no, I look, I, I think the biggest thing about what we've been trying to build and talking about building and spending the last year building is we want players to have the opportunities that maybe we didn't when we were young. Um, and not necessarily because of anything other than we didn't have the resources or we didn't have the people around us to necessarily help us. Not to say that we didn't have good people, but I think the idea here is to create a unique experience for every player to train and get better and to have the opportunity. So the thing that I've been saying a lot lately as people ask me what we're doing is I just don't want the reason why people don't have an opportunity to get better because I didn't say something out loud, right? I don't want to just bite my tongue. I don't want to keep it to myself. But at the end of the day, I think players at a young age uh, need to really learn how to train for themselves. Uh, I always describe hitting as art. Um, it's not a binary thing for everyone where, hey, go do this drill. Like everybody could just kind of take the same approach to learning because we all move different. We all think different. We all feel different. So, um, yeah, starting now is just kind of a, a basic like self-awareness like check. And if you're honest with yourself, I think the, the information that you can get out of it, the, the guidance that you can get out of it, the drills that you can get out of it should be helpful and um, really just a starting point for players to 
kind of take a look at themselves and, and really start to take that journey of self-discovery. That was, that was a powerful statement right there. Journey of self-discovery. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, at the, at the most highest level, you answer nine questions about your hitting. Um, and I think for some younger players, a hard part about it might be they, they may not know the answers to the questions, which is okay. Um, but it's a, it's a way to customize a hitting program just by answering questions about yourself. So uh, one way to explain it is if, if myself or Chris were with you in person and we asked you these questions, these are, these are questions we would typically ask about your hitting performance. And then based on those answers, what we would typically do if we were with you in person is like start to formulate a plan. So all this start nine program is, is that plan that you could do by yourself. So you don't need us to be in the room with you. You can just answer the questions and get our knowledge um, in the form of a four week hitting program. Back to starting nine, who should use it? I mean, anybody that's really looking for a plan, you could use this. If you're a coach of a team, you could run through all players on your roster and just answer these questions. They're, they're not crazy. The one thing that we've talked about is how not all data is tech driven. So if you're a, if you're a coach and you know, your player lunges all the time, that's a data point. Like he lunges, that's data. Uh, most people don't think about it that way, but that's really what it is. So what this starting nine program is, it's really, it's an introduction to our platform and what we're building as a whole. And this whole concept of creating data-driven programs at scale, um, ability to convert any sort of data into actionable plans. I think that's the one thing that we've, we really believe is that all this data is really, really good, but if you don't have a plan attached to it, it's not, it's not actionable. So um, that's, that's where our focus is with, with the space. And um, the exciting thing about the platform we're building is that we can help other people to leverage their data in really whatever way they want to, whatever way, whatever system they believe in. It's, we're going to have our own stock programs that we do, but we'll be able to work with individual coaches to build their own systems. Well, I think that's, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head and talk about the whole, the whole industry, right? The whole at large is like, we've gotten to a point where, and, and this is probably the world we live in too, right? Not just baseball, but we've gotten to this point where we want to accumulate and collect and take in data and it's all the information that goes with it. And the problem is you start getting this influx of data and you think the, the more granular I get, the more finite, the more, the deeper I get down the layers, like, the more I'm going to learn. And that's true, but at some point it makes it really hard to, to convert it into the ultimate simplicity of what is like, what, what is the end game here? What's the end game of, of this? And as much as we, we can learn more in baseball about past performance and how people have gone about it and, and then really try to, to predict what's going to come out of it. Ultimately the game and, life and development is about trying to get better. And, and until we really start to paint a picture of how, how do we make players better? Ultimately, the, the, the objective should be, how do we make players better day in and day out instead of, you know, cause if not, it's just information, right? Cause then it's just information that you can pass judgment on the same way people have passed judgment on things for years and years and years. And, and it's just going to come down to a bunch of different opinions about what's most important um, and, and that's the thing, like, I, I don't think, I don't think you or I, or, or most of the people that I try to surround myself in my daily life have ever come out and said, 
you know, oh, I'm more right than anybody else, or I know better than anybody else. Like, I think we know what we know. And I think we've learned, you know, what's, what's important in terms of how to help people and how to try to help people the best we the best way possible. So it's about speaking multiple languages. It's about really having a different plan for different players and, and not trying to teach everybody how to do everything the same way or the way we did it or whatever it is. And I think that's the thing that ultimately makes us not necessarily unique, but really, I don't know, just aware. And I think that's what it comes down to is awareness. Right. And that's what should come down to for players is awareness. Like you have to, you have to learn about yourself and the, the younger you can do that, the, the younger age you can do that at, the earlier on you can do it in your career, the better off you're going to be. Because if you start to really identify with your work and you start to really be engaged in the mental process, and that's all I think we're really trying to do is get the player to engage in the mental process. Like I, I can't sit here and promise that I'm going to turn anybody into a big leaguer. I could never do that. But I can certainly give you all the information, the experience that I've gone through, that you've gone through, that we've gone through together and other players have gone through that have shared with me that really ultimately helped me along the way, you know, overcome a lot of the obstacles. Absolutely. <clears throat> well said. Um, so yeah, the, the way to get starting nine, if you go to paltero.com, there's a link right on the homepage to the starting nine program. You just sign up, answer nine questions and your program is built instantly which is cool because historically, like when I used to do assessments in person, I'd have, you know, hit tracks, time kinetics, body track, K vest. Uh, I'd, you know, do this hour long hitting process. <clears throat> then I'd have to sit down and manually comb through the data and pull out anything relevant and try to make sense of it. And the fact that this stuff happens so quickly is, is really powerful where really just a matter of seconds, you have a program in your hands, ready to go. Beauty is in simplicity, right? I think a lot of times we, we overlook that. And, you know, one more point that I just saw, somebody filled one out, which is, it's exciting to, to see when somebody fills one out. Yeah, really, I saw that. We all got the Slack notification. I know, all three of us. But the, the, the cool part about it is that it really takes into account, and, and just for, you know, obviously for answering nine questions, uh, they're pretty much multi, uh, just a, pick one of three or one of four options, right? Literally we've created enough dynamic response from it that um, it's going to help you with whatever your focus is like, and, and, you know, your answers to your questions are going to relate to you, uh, relate you into a different template in the format of which the volume of drills that, you know, I, I know we're in a, a day and age where people are obsessed with exit velocity and hitting the ball harder and the reality of it is some players don't need to focus on hitting the ball harder because they already hit the ball hard enough. So um, the way we shape this, this starting nine will allow for different really to drive even just the direction of the drills within the, within the, uh, the workflow here. And um, there's a lot of cool different uh, outcomes that can come from it also. Yeah. There but was uh, there was some funny t Twitter activity this weekend regarding exit velocity. Preston Wilson, former MLB guy was, was getting on some people about using equipment like hit tracks with seven-year-olds and all the quote internet hitting people were like, why is it bad if a seven-year-old knows how hard he hits the ball? And Preston Wilson was like, oh, you should be focused about it. focused on is having fun. 
And everybody was like, you don't think it's fun when a kid looks up and he's like, oh, I hit the ball harder. That's it's fun. Fact, it's fun just in general. Right? Yeah, but it's just, it's funny. It's funny that the there's a thought, a line of thinking that says understanding a number, like knowing how hard you hit the ball makes the game less fun. I don't, it's like don't a video why. game. When you beat a level, it's fun. When yeah. you do something faster, like think about like when you're riding bikes with your friends in the neighborhood and you build a jump, you want to go higher. And knowing how high you got, like imagine if you you could go back to being seven years old, building a ramp out of a piece of plywood and some like cinder blocks. And you're like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna hit this jump. And you could get data on like, oh, you got like 18 inches of air. Because in the past, you're like, oh, I got so much air. And you're like getting like six inches of air. I, but now you know you could get 18 inches they're like oh i want to get 19 and it's competitive and it's fun and like isn't that what we're trying to promote in baseball no offense to preston wilson like he did his thing as a player right and but this has happened throughout and i there are so, so many people that i respect in the game that are that ultimately hate data and technology and they want to make it an indictment on the hardware an indictment on the data itself because they look at it, it's almost like <laughs> either your tech or your old school. Right. And, and nobody can really, I, and this, I don't, what I don't get is how you can't wrap your head around that. Most of the world is probably both or somewhere in between, or the big league players that are, you know, from the seventies, eighties, early nineties that had, that didn't have access to any of this stuff growing up, none, zero. Right. Or even during their careers, they sit there and they say, Oh, well, why would you need any of this? We didn't need any of it. Nobody in my generation needed it. And that's, that's fine. Right. Like that's nobody's insinuating that you need technology or data to become good. Right. You don't, you don't need it. I I don't think anybody's implying that, but it's just another way of shaping the way people can learn. So ultimately the responsibility, and this is the part that I think I learned as time went on. And one of the things that I, I really look back on as a, as a student a, uh, in a school when I was in elementary and middle school, you'd have teachers that were so set in their ways and they couldn't adapt to the newer generation. And, and those were probably the teachers that I liked the least, right? Or that I didn't correspond with or correlate with the, uh, at all because it's our responsibility as, as mentors, coaches, players, whatever you want to call what I am in the game right now. It's my responsibility to adapt to the younger generation, to understand how they think, how they reason, how they rationalize. It's not the other way around. The player, in some capacity, they should really, if they want to maximize their potential as players, relate to the older generation because there's wisdom, you know, and I'm not saying I'm the old wise man, but players older than me, you guys that have been there and done it, guys that played 10 years in the big leagues, you should want to listen and learn from those people because that's true wisdom honestly but at the same time if we want to have the biggest impact we can we need to learn how to adapt from that and if we don't it's a disservice like so part of what we're doing with pelotero is like hey man if you if you learn better through this thing i'm going to try to help you through this thing right i'm going to give you the alternative of using my words i'm going to give you that opportunity but you know if you're somebody who likes to learn through this then Maybe I just need to do a better job of communicating through that. I think on a broader scale, like the, this Preston Wilson situation, the Jeff Fry, this whole, like the brand of baseball right now, when you turn on a major league game is so different than what it was 10, 20 years ago. It's, I mean, 
in, in, in a lot of ways, we've talked about this. It's in a lot of ways, it's not for the better. This whole like Homer strikeout. It's like a true three outcome. That's it. That's the game. So these guys, I think are using, it's, it's a pendulum swung swing. So we've gone too far in one direction where we've got all this new data. There's, there's all this, all this attempted interpretation of the data. And to do that, they're bringing in people from the outside of the game, which isn't a bad thing necessarily, but <clears throat> mixing the new way of thinking with the old way of thinking, it just isn't happening as much right now because it's just new. And from a business organization standpoint, they can look at these numbers and create expected outcomes and predictability and have accountability tied to stuff that if you just say, yeah, I got a hunch on a guy, there's, how do you place a value on that? It's, it's just a different era. And I think the people that merge the two, the best are going to create the most value. It's just, we're not there yet. <clears throat> so you got guys going on in Twitter that haven't been in the conversation for the last 10 years. They don't know what's going on. And they just look up and they see the game of baseball's changed when they turn on the TV and like, Oh, it's data's fault. It's the smart guy's fault when it's partially true, but it's also partially, partially, partially not true it's just there's there's little there's not enough balance right now in the conversation so you can you can make the argument that it's nothing's different really right like you could make the argument that nothing is different whatsoever in terms of the way we evaluate talent right because there was never a time where we didn't look for guys that hit the ball hard there was never a time we didn't look for guys uh, guys that hit the ball far just all you're doing now is putting a number on it and i think what it's done honestly and, and this is the, the the truth of it i think it's given guys that like players that look the part less, right. That look less athletics, shorter in stature, uh, smaller, not as athletic looking. It's given them opportunity because now you have an objective way to measure what they're doing, like where maybe they didn't pass the eye test back in the day. Right. Um, everything about the data is still, you know, you look for five tool guys, right. You look at some guys that could run fast, hit, hit for power, uh, you know, play defense and throw. And so now all you're doing is putting numbers on those things. So I can make the argument that nothing's changed. Now, what I will say is that I think when you, when it becomes your only emphasis, when it becomes your only point of emphasis and you stop, because essentially what you've tried to do, right, as an industry is take away the doubt of, well, I don't know who this player is competing against at that level, right? I don't know a division one guy versus a division two guy, or he plays at Kent state versus, you know, Alabama or Michigan or whatever. Right. So you're trying to say, okay, well, I'm, I don't want to look at stats because those stats rely on luck and your level of competition. Now, the problem is like, at the end of the day, if you get hit, you get hit. Like I, if you get hit literally, you probably hit when you're in high school and you can hit when you're in college and you can hit when you're in the pros. If, you're committed to it, right? If you're, if you're mentally aware enough, and I think we need to find a way as an industry that the, the game needs to find a way to be able to evaluate what, like what makes guys sustain great hitters over time, right? And I don't necessarily think that's ever your athleticism or your exit velocity or your, you know, your metrics, right? Like Tony Gwynn wasn't a metricer. He's one of the greatest hitters of all time. Like, the same way I could say Albert Pujols wasn't and is one of the greatest hitters of all time. And, you know, certainly having those characteristics and those, those, the, the potential to create numbers will allow for 
I don't know, a better version of an, of a, of an athlete. Like it has, it's, it's a player that has more upside, but what happens if you don't achieve your upside? What happens if you never get to the upside? Right. And so it's, it's this back and forth. And I, 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 like I said, as much as I think the game might be different, it, a lot of the evaluation, how we're doing it is the same. It's just got a number on it instead. And, you know, now people, they, they take offense to it, I guess. And it's okay. Look, I do too sometimes because I think we focus too much on it as opposed to like, Hey, we need to look at a player and make a subjective determination as to whether or not this guy wants to be good. I.E. Derek Jeter, Tom Brady, my boy, Tommy Brady. I'm not going to get into it right now. But my guy, Tommy. Um, but the point is like, players are good, even if they can't do that stuff, you know? And I think full circle, what I want to do, what Pel- what I want to do with Pelotero and something that I don't know if I've, I've said this out loud within the company is like, I don't want players to get disheartened when they're eight years old or nine years old or 10 years old. Cause they can't hit the ball as hard as Johnny. Right. I, I want them to understand like, look, even if you don't hit the ball as hard it's okay, you can learn how to do other things. Good. You can be successful at this. You can shape your career this way. And then, Hey, let's, we're going to help you do the thing that gets you to the place where you need to go in terms of the other stuff. Yeah. And uh, that eight year old that doesn't hit the ball as hard as Johnny our ability to create context around that where it's like, well, you're a little pipsqueak and Johnny's like biologically a 12 year old. So don't be too worried about it. Like if he's the height and weight and strength of an average 12 year old and you're the average height and weight of a seven year old, like don't worry about it. You're going to grow up. So uh, let's move on. Happy new year. 2021. What was the one thing you learned in 2020? So that, are we implying that there's only one thing we've learned in 2020? No, oh, it, it is. It, the question actually says, what is one thing? Oh, not what yeah. is the one thing? It's all right. The cedar's getting you. Your eyes I literally are... have like, I have like droplets of water and tears in my eyes. So yeah. I'm sad for people that, have, that are going to listen to this as a podcast because they won't get to see your face. It, I mean, I'm looking at myself. It just looks droopy. I'm actually, so, I'm doing everything I can. So I have the, I have the screen set up as the three blocks, right? I'm doing everything I can to just look from, like you're over here, I'm over here. Patrick's at the bottom. I'm doing everything I can to just like, like look over here and block you out. Like I'm just looking at my bobbleheads in the background and stuff. Nice. So no what is what is one thing you learned in 2020, <laughs> baseball related? All right. I thought about this a lot. I, I was like trying to think about what did I learn and what did I know and. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this, and I probably knew this already. I know that I don't know. How about that? Was, that? that was like uh. Is that too existential? Because I got something else. No, that's fine. That's fine. I know that I don't know. I, I mean, look. So, the, you to the point of, and the reason I'll say this is so. You want to talk about the game changing? I never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I would see a player swing at a 3-0 pitch in a six-run game in the eighth inning, and and the guy go deep. I, I just didn't think it would ever happen. About did you um, ever think? Do you ever think you could watch a player take three strikes in a row to end a game and people applaud him for it? Well, that was another thing I was going to go with. Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I learned that. I learned that you could take three strikes in the game. And it's funny. I talked about that over. at bat yesterday. I talked about it yesterday. I was like, what are we doing? 
we're celebrating a guy stuck to his approach for, for striking lost out the game lost the game what's more important sticking to your approach or losing a ball but, game? yeah and that's like it, you know you play to win the game and i i think we it's just so i guess more robust is i, I think we're like losing sight of it a little bit i think i think and look, right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, I, it's just, it's these are opinions when it comes down to it. Like, I don't think you should be allowed to swing 3-0 if you don't like getting a ball in the back. The problem is you, you can't get a ball in the back that often anymore. And I think we're, by trying to police the game more at the corporate, you know, league level, like you're taking away the game's ability to police itself. And that's, that's super 2020 to, if you want to like, People get their feelings hurt way easier. It's just like people just get their feelings hurt. Like let's put it that way. Uh, like I, I don't, and that's true of everything. So, I, I, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I learned like anything explicitly. It's just more of like the game is trending in that direction of like more fun. It's uh, it's been pretty amusing to watch like Trevor Bauer just dominate conversations around the game. Um, but overall there's a, there's a book by Roy H. Williams called pendulum. And if you look at everything across society, this book like has gone through the history of the world to look at trends and cultures and societies. And, uh, it's dead on with predictions in, in terms of like how society as a whole will shift and flow and pendulum swing so uh yeah buckle up for more um divisive stuff happening more like you got it right we're we're entering an era where you have to take a stand it's not like a come together kumbaya kind of situation that we're we're in right now it's take a stand be divisive and tap into your audience on one side of the equation and that's how you're going to grow right now so it's going to get more and more uh into that line of thinking over the next 10 to 20 years. So that'll be fun. So as that relates to baseball, it's more like make baseball fun. Bat flips are better. Anything that's a lightning rod, uh, that's going to, it's going to get more attention and be celebrated or chastised to like the nth degree of baseball is fun though. Right? Like the game itself is fun from, uh, just a X's and O's standpoint. I think if you're, you know, if you're, if you're into like thinking and, and it's like a, you know, there's it's an element in the way that chess is fun. I was just going to say it's chess versus checkers. That's exactly what was going to come out of my mouth. Not to say that other sports don't have strategy involved, but I think athleticism trumps in other sports, right? Like athleticism has a tendency to take you to the next level. Uh, where in baseball, like you can be the most athletic dude on the field, you can be the worst player, right? Just by and large, all like day in and day out. And, uh, you know, frankly, there's elements of the game that get really exciting. Like when you get runners on base, tight games, tight situations. And I think the best thing about baseball is that opportunities are so few, few and far between, right? Unless you're the pitcher, opportunities are fewer and farther between. You get four at-bats a night, maybe five. Um, you can play a whole game and not get a ball hit to you. And it, it's, it's really a battle of attrition. It's the ability to stay ready for 
something that you don't know whether it's going to happen or not, right? You're playing shortstop. You don't know if you're going to get the ball. You don't know what the likelihood of the ball getting hit to you. And that's what makes great plays great plays is, in my opinion, just the, the player being being able to be engaged and ready on a pitch-by-pitch basis for a moment that may never happen, right? Um, and I think those parts are what, what make it exciting to me. Um, the at-bats, the thinking, and I, I've always appreciated the mental – side of it i think we're what the games tried to do is eliminate a lot of the thinking by like even shifts right and and this this leads into like the next part of you know what's my what what is my resolution what's my baseball resolution for 2021 i i don't like i i get shifts like i understand it and I, i what i would like to help people do is like don't get mad at a shift because it's a choice that a team's making the same way they're making a choice to bring in a reliever or not bring in a reliever or play this guy or pinch hit that guy. I, I, every decision you make has, is going to have a consequence in life, whether it's right or wrong or whatever, because if you can play a shift, it could be right. And it could be wrong. It depends on how the other player counteracts it, right? You make a move in chess, the other guy's got to make a move against you, right? It's not, Oh, we're playing the shift, so this is going to happen, right? They're playing the shift because their their expectations that that's going to happen. Um, what's my resolution for 2021 is like just get less mad at stuff, I guess. And by mad, I mean slightly irked. That's fair. I I my best tweet rants come when I get mad, so I'm going to try to get more mad this year, get more fired up. Uh, you said something about baseball being fun and it, I just want to expand on that a little bit <clears throat> in my best cedar voice that I feel is fading right now. Uh, the whole bat flip thing, I've, I've always had trouble verbalizing and communicating why it bothers me so much. It just like, it bothers me. So uh, I saw a, a video on Trevor Bauer over the weekend and it was all about like spin rate and how basically like it's confirmed that he's now using whatever methods the Astros were using and every other pitcher, like every pitcher in the big leagues is cheating. Like they're all using a substance. They're all like doing everything they can, they, everything they can to maximize their potential. And it showed him doing the, the Conor McGregor thing. And like Trevor Bauer this year was like the me tour. It's like, that's great. Um, make baseball fun, have a YouTube channel. And there's some cool stuff going on there, but for me, the thing that was most fun, the thing that's always most fun about baseball is like the feeling of a team coming together and winning ball games and like gelling and having chemistry. Like that's way more fun than a bat flip could ever be. Like bat flips are moments. And it makes me think about like at the professional level, I can understand a guy like not, you, you sometimes can't care if your team's not good and you're losing ball games. But being on a winning team, being in a winning environment, is way more fun than any like individual celebration you could do in a moment. So I think that's like the whole bat flip thing when guys are pre-planning their bat flips so they can like, Hey, get your phone out and record me. So if I go deep, I'm going to bat flip like this. I'm going to do the, I'm going to do this one this time. It's so stupid compared to what the, like the most fun moments of baseball can be. So I just, it's like, you're focused on the wrong stuff and Maybe that's me being an old man yelling at a cloud. Salty. But, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I just don't. I 
it, it makes me think of like the whole showcase aspect of the of the game where it's you know like metricing it's you know if i can hit a ball 105 then i'm going to get a scholarship and it's like well you might suck at hitting so who cares um it's like this whole like trend of the game that is less and less about team and like self promotion yeah it's 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 all about the individual player when and it's like make baseball fun again like the most fun thing you can do in baseball is like be on a winning streak with your boys 100% like yeah. in the clubhouse excited to be there every day vibing together on the same page everybody's pulling the same direction like you can't beat that so like yeah go ahead and do your bat flip but you're not even playing the same game as what you could be playing well the problem so here here's what it full circle like what it comes down to right when we were growing up when you and i were growing up and not to say i, I don't even I, I don't really consider myself old i a lot of people probably do but like i, I don't feel old i don't i don't think old i i try to think as young as possible and i Believe me, I was as big a narcissist as there was. Like, and you know that about me now. I want to talk about my homers more than I want to talk about anything else ever in the history of everness, right? So, I, 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 when I hit a home run when I was a kid, I wanted people to know about. I was like, hey man, I hit a homer! Oh my god, I hit a homer! Now I didn't throw my bat to the to the ceiling to Brazil or whatever when I did, but you want like you want that feeling from people when you're young, especially when you're when you're growing up. You want to feel, you want people to feel your success and you want people to understand, oh, like you want to feel appreciated for what you did, right? And that's a very normal, I think, human instinct. It's a it's a basic human feeling thing that, that, that you want to experience. And our parents, my dad would tell me it's not about you. My dad was the one that had to teach me, it ain't about you, dude. Like it's about the team. You need to be seen and not heard. Right. You don't need to talk about it. You need to be about it. And the whole way I grew up was I, I, I've got a grandfather who's in the military who, who, you know, was very proper. My dad wasn't allowed to have long hair when he was a kid. He wasn't allowed to have a beard. He wasn't allowed to do anything. So even when I was going to work out for scouts, my dad would be like, you need to make sure you shave. And I didn't even have a lot of facial hair. We'd be like, you need to shave. Right. So I, I had this impression of the world where it was about, if you're good enough, when you when you get good at the game, people will talk about you for you instead of like self-promoting, right? And then I looked around and I said, like, there are ways to there are ways to self-promote without being an ass. I think there are ways to to let people know that you're an individual that you stand out because at the end of the day, making an impact at right at a young age and trying to get recruited or get drafted or whatever. You have to stand out because if not, everybody's the same, right? Like if not, you're just all the same. Now, Justin Turner started standing out by growing out a big, long red beard and long red hair. And there's n nothing wrong with that. Like the guy could hit. Maybe we wouldn't pay attention to Justin Turner if he didn't have a huge red beard and long red hair, right? If he just had a regular, the old crew cut, you know, flat top or whatever. Like if he had done that in his years when he started like, becoming Justin Turner, like maybe we wouldn't pay as much attention to him. So like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And Justin Turner, I think, plays the game very much the right way. He's a, he, he's a first team all grinder, in my opinion. He's a, he's a gamer. He's a guy that gets after it. And probably because he's closer to our age than, you know, early 20s. But I just think, that, and, and if you watch any of the, the movies about the social dilemma, you watch any of these movies that talk about like the paradigm of what social media has done, 
people love to self-promote now. And, it, and it's like more accepted. It's like, oh, look at how cool I am. I bought this car or look at how cool. And to the point where kids are literally going out and doing fake stuff, like getting fake private planes and fake Louis Vuitton bags so that they can take a picture and get an Instagram following, right? And that's obviously going to drift into the game of baseball. That's obviously drifted into, hey, let me bat flip. Hey, let me do this. Let me wear a yellow sleeve when my team is, you know, black and blue. Like, all of it is about, like, you know, this feeling of, like, hey, I want want to stand out. I want to matter. And I want to self-promote. And it's just, it's it's a way of life now. And I, I, I just think maybe if we can get a little bit back to the concept of team and, and really like the, it's not about me, it's about we. And I, I think, like you said, this, the pendulum will shift back. But that was my kind of tirade about why I think it is where it is. And I could be wrong, but feels right. So, yep. <clears throat> Let's get granular here. Kevin Euclid has been tweeting. Greek god of hops, I believe this is. Greek yeah. god of walks. Hops. No, but his hops, yeah. Walk. It should be walks. Yeah, his hops. I, why is it hops? Is Oh, because didn't he start like a beer thing? Yeah. yeah. You could uh, hit, man. Loma Brew. Euclid could hit. He probably still could hit. He's doing uh, he's doing beer and coffee. Day. Anyways, you got to get the video on me. Did that look right? He's holding the bat at the barrel. It looks like he was in a hockey shop. How do you, I, I need to talk to you about how that happened. I never got to meet him or talk to him. And also, I think he's in the Brady family now, right? He's married to Tom's sister. Yep. Good business decision right there. Well, I mean, he probably like likes her too. Yeah. Like, likes her. It was a joke. You know, he had a crazy unique swing, but he was a hitter for sure. So he's been tweeting out, why can't we talk more about real baseball stuff? So we go, situational baseball for right-handed hitter. Righty on the mound, two-seam, four-seam fastball, slider changeup. So, AWR, for those who don't know, Chris has termed that. AWR. It's not my term. It's a across-the-board professional baseball term. You're the first person I heard say it, though. Uh, runner on second base with no outs, no bun sign given. <clears throat> uh, first at bat was a rollover to third on a two-seamer, inner half with no one on. What's your approach and plan? So, this is, like, the thing that makes it, like, really hard to talk about stuff on Twitter because we don't know the score. We don't know like who the starting pitcher is, what the bullpen situation is. Uh, we don't know enough to really talk about it. We can obviously be like, Oh yeah, let's try to move the runner because why wouldn't you try to move the runner? That's the easiest thing you could possibly say is like, Oh, I'm going to try to hit a homer to left is what he was probably baiting people to try to say. Um, but like, yeah, I'm going to look for like a four seam away and try to get a hit like what's you i just i honestly was gonna write on that thread i was like i'm gonna try to get a hit that's what i was gonna write i i saw it because when i saw it there it got a lot of engagement and i think i think what he's trying like you're trying to extrapolate right like you're trying to you're trying to start dialogue and i i give him credit for trying to start dialogue and I, he had he wrote something the other day and I don't remember what it was. And then Middlebrooks tweeted something about it or retweeted his tweet. And it was, it was about like, why can't we have like deeper dialogue? And I wrote, cause it's hard in 144 characters, basically. I, let me, Patrick, you can pull this up when, when we're talking about it. But basically my, my point was, is it's very difficult to have these deep conversations 
in 144 characters. So he had written, um, uh, Euclid had written, longer for the day when Twitter baseball starts discussing the strategy game, talking about in-depth hitting approach and how to attack a hitter, multiple pitches, the vital parts. And then Middlebrooks wrote, bingo, we're so distracted by all the technology in the game that we tend to forget what elevates hitters to the next level. Tech is great for building your swing, but that's not even half the battle. And I said, there's not enough characters. 144 puts a damper on your ability to have actual long-form discussions about circumstances, thoughts, and ideas. Besides that, attention spans probably aren't up to par, not because they're not equipped, but because the world isn't allowing for it, right? And Will wrote back, bingo, to me, or, or very true or something like that. So the, the medium for which we're trying to have, like, Twitter is not built for hitting discussions. It's just not. It, your limitations don't allow for the, the, the type of depth and thought that need to go into things. Now, bear in mind also to have a, a true hitting discussion, it would take eight hours to do it in written form versus like the round table, sit in a room or get to talk about stuff. I understand what, what Kevin is trying to do. I understand. I appreciate it about him. I think, I think the game needs more, discussion because again the medium that we're using is technology right the medium we're using today is instagram the medium we're using is twitter the medium we're using is facebook tiktok whatever and again technology has shortened attention spans a lot of times so it's hard to really get into those long deep dive discussions that really i think the, the and the thing that i'll say about the older player about about the youth of the world about my, myself and the things that we appreciated was being in the cage and having those three hour hitting sessions where you take 27 swings and you talk for two hours and 48 minutes about feels, thoughts, things that they went through. It, it's dialogue. That's where, that's where discovery and exploration happen, right? Like that's, that's where it truly happens. For me, I know that's true because at the end of the day, like you can't go execute something that you haven't discussed or that you haven't thought of. You're, you have to experience it at some point, like, so he's talking about in, in that tweet, just to, to come back to it, he's talking about facing a two-seamer. How many, how many 18-year-old kids have never faced a good two-seamer? How many 20-year-old kids have never faced a good two-seamer? What was the first time you saw a two-seamer, a good one? that you that made good, you I mean, college, maybe. I might have faced two-seamers and not even known they were two-seamers because I just had a ground ball and didn't recognize yeah. what it was. All those times you hit a ground ball to short when you're in high school and, and you'd go, like, why did I hit that on the ground? I, I feel like I was going to kill that ball. It was right down the middle. I probably didn't figure out the difference between a, a two-seamer sinker and a four-seamer and how I should approach it till I was like 22, out of college, literally out of college. I was still like very much see ball, hit ball, and not understanding what getting through a ball meant, not understanding – you know, how to approach a, a, a two seam from in to out and through and toward the right center field gap. I had no idea. I, I would, I would swing at two seamers my first couple of years of pro ball that were like on the white line in. I'd be like, why am I not getting that ball again? He's like, Chris, it's a ball. And he, I'd be like, what? And then I, I, we didn't have a ton of video, but he's like, yeah, that two seamers running in on you. I had to learn what to look for. I had to learn why the scouting report was important. I had to learn how to approach guys that threw me like that. So you know, to answer the question, what should you be thinking about in that situation? You know, how deep are you in thought? Like what, what, what are you trying to do? You're trying to 
I'm always trying to get a hit. You're looking out over, you're looking up in the zone. Depends on how much velo does the guy have? Is he playing up at 96, 97, or is it four seam at 91? I mean, the, the questions, they, they can be elaborated on. You can think deeper. The deeper the discussion is, it's not just, and it's not a, a blanket approach. It's not, hey, I, I, you know, everybody needs to go up and think about hitting a ground ball at second base here. Well, if I get 1-0, I'm probably trying to go over the right center field wall, right? If I get 0-2, I'm probably trying to battle and put a ball in play. You know, if I'm 1-1 or 1-2 or 2-2, like, you know, is there a situation where I might look breaking ball? Like, this guy's probably going to – if he's if the pitcher's smart – how smart is the pitcher? Is he going to try to pound me in? If he's trying to pound me in, like, I, I need to be patient, look out over and be okay with taking my walk, right? There, there's so many layers to that question that – you know, it, it, it's it's almost a disservice to, to to not take the deep dive. And I think that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to promote the deep dive, which is good. I, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I do as well. It's maybe we should try to get, get Uke on uh, on our show here. Talk about it or just have like a, just a separate one off video where we just dig into it because it's like the the time in the cage where like you were saying you take a couple swings you talk for hours <clears throat> post game in the clubhouse just chatting like what you see what what happened just reflecting on stuff having those conversations um you're really really smart man i've heard i've listened to him do some stuff and i i never i wouldn't i don't know that i would have necessarily thought this before in terms of i got it always he just really i think he's really he's really well thought out he's I've really enjoyed listening to anything he's done. He was on the Pat McAfee show, I want to say, like a, a while back. And I love listening to him talk. He, he was great to me. I I, I think he's he, he's pretty awesome. And he's like, under, like, no, like he makes fun of himself. He's like, yeah, it's like, I don't, you know, I wasn't the best athlete, but, you know, I can do some things here and there. And then he was talking about his, you know, how he's got a, one of those like no-show title jobs with, he was working for somebody, right? Uh the Reds or the Cubs or something. Cubs, maybe. And he's like, yeah, I get the easiest job ever. I just show up <laughs> every now and then um, and talked about, is it Lo- Point Loma or is that his company? It's Loma something. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Off track. Off track. That was good. That was great. Uh, rundown. Our post show for the rundown here. Swami had a great year, bro. He was like fourth in the league in passing. The guy's like 162 years old, and he's the best quarterback in the NFL, not named Patrick Mahomes. So it's incredible. This guy's going to just never stop playing. And we got, you know, big, big playoff week coming up here for the Bucks. First time in the NFL, 17 playoff. They're going to rock it, bro. Uh, who you got leading the league in the NFL in passing yards? Brady was like second, wasn't he, or third? Third. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't see who was first. Uh, Roethlisberger? Nope. Deshaun Watson? 16. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was one. Uh, Mahomes, two. Brady, three. Yeah. Yep. Deshaun had to air it out a lot. When David Johnson got hurt this year, he was throwing the ball a lot. Deshaun's pretty good, man. They just can't win. Like te- The Texans are just not equipped to win. A lot of uh... – it's Black Monday here in the NFL. A lot of guys getting canned. A lot of turnover. Yeah. I heard Urban Meyer's going to get the Jaguars job. Is that true? I don't know. 
Anybody say anything about that? Adam Gase got fired, right? Gase got fired. They showed there was a funny meme about how he looked when he got the job. It was like, and then he got fired. Chargers coach just got fired, Anthony Lynn. Yeah, Anthony Lynn. Yeah, they were bad. They were really bad. Good hard knocks, though. He looked good on hard knocks. That's good. He was great. I've never seen a single episode of that show. You should go back and watch it. It's really. Is it HBO? Yeah. I think you'd enjoy it. I'll, I'll I wish there were better episodes. teams. I wish they had better teams. With and, and I feel like every Hard Knocks has been about like a bad team or a team that wasn't there yet because it's like the ones that want attention are the ones that aren't good, I guess. All right. Happy Cedar. Go get them. That's it. That's a wrap. 21. Pickle out. <laughs>